If you have a Bible nearby, let's go to the book of John, chapter 9. I'm going to continue with where we've been for the last couple weeks, looking at our discipleship and our following after Jesus as He makes us into basically Himself, as we are renewed in uh, the image of our Creator over and over again. Jesus says, if anybody wants to come after me, uh, he can, come on, he can do it, she can do it, doesn't matter uh, where you've been, what you've been through, uh, where you're from, doesn't, none of that stuff really matters. Uh, he just invites everybody to just come on. Uh, and he tells us what the conditions are, and that's where, what we've been studying for the past couple weeks as uh, we've been going through Lent together. Uh, if Lent is, is in part about following, basically following Jesus to the cross, then discipleship is a part of that, and that's what we're looking at. So Jesus says, if you want to come after me, come on, but here's, here's what you've got to do. You've got to deny yourself and take up your cross daily and just follow me. So we looked at the denial of self. And our, our self-love that tends to drive us, that was what we were, we were born with it. Uh, that is, it's that, that ego, that pride, that uh, self-reliance, everything about ourselves. He said, you've you, you got you to deny that. Your life can't be about you, basically. Um, and you have to take up your cross daily, just meaning, uh, in short, uh, you you embrace the will of God for your life no matter what it costs you. That, that you can't be so attached to relationships that you have. You can't be so attached to plans for your own life and, and just your own dreams for yourself. Um, you can't be so attached to money or possessions or anything. There, there can just can be no attachments that stand in the way of your obedience to Jesus. So you're saying, all right, uh, deny every sort of self-driven thing about your life. And don't have any sort of attachments to any, anything that would in any way hinder your obedience to me. And then you just, just come on and follow me. If, if, if you're willing to, to do that, but you're also if you're willing to be, to be made into that kind of person, then come on, follow after me. And following after a rabbi meant that you literally followed them around. And if you are familiar with the Gospels, then you'll, you'll see there were always crowds of people. And you know, he had this following all the time. You know, he had... He had the 12 disciples that, that he sought after, but there were these multitudes that would follow him, uh, sometimes you know, in hundreds and thousands, and sometimes you know, maybe 50 or 60, and sometimes it was just the 12, and sometimes it was only three of those 12. Sometimes it was just one of those 12. Uh, but there were always people coming after him, and they followed him because that's what you did with the rabbi. Rabbi means teacher. And so if you wanted to learn from the rabbi, you would follow him around. You would literally just live in his shadow and, and that's what we've been looking at, is what does it mean to live in the shadow of Jesus today as a disciple in 2012? What does that look like? Uh, the goal for discipleship was to become just like the rabbi. You sought after a rabbi who you wanted, you wanted to be exactly like him. And so here's Jesus saying, if you want to be exactly like me, deny yourself, take up your cross daily, and come on, let's, let's walk around. I'll teach you how to live. I'll teach you how to think. I'll teach you about the kingdom. I'll teach you about God. I'll, I'll teach you and I'll make you into, uh, I'll duplicate myself over and over and over and over again. And so uh, kind of what I did a few weeks ago was just, just to break down the idea of discipleship into a, a couple of tasks 
that when you would see a rabbi and you would see his disciples following after him, they were, they were listening to, to everything that he said. They wanted to hear every word that came out of his mouth. Uh, and they watched everything that he would do, every action, how quickly he did something, how slowly he did something, how he interacted with people, um, just anything. They watched everything. They listened to everything he said so that they would know exactly how to imitate him in every way. So listen, observe, and then imitate. Uh, so I was going through our text today, and I realized that I left out a very important thing. So if you, have been, if you build your life on threes, uh, there's a fourth one. I'm going to just mess you up. Uh, but in this text, we see a very, a very important part of discipleship, which is asking questions. They would listen, they would observe, and then they would, they, they would ask a lot, of, a lot of questions, a lot of questions. And that will help them know better how to imitate their rabbi. And so uh, we're gonna, there's a question that this whole thing kind of centers around today. And uh, so let's take a look at it. John chapter 9, verse 1 says, As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus answered, It was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said these things, he spat on the ground and made mud with the saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. So he went and washed, and he came back seeing. All right? Um, a lot more to the story. And you should keep reading it. Maybe you're familiar with it. But this dude goes on, and he starts telling people, and they, have, they get his parents involved. Nobody believes him, and all this kind of stuff. It's really, it's really, really cool story. We're going to stop right there and, and put ourselves in the, in the place of the disciples. Okay, uh, and that's kind of what we've been doing is 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 imagining what what must it have been like to hear those things and to see these things. And today we look at, at asking a question. You see, in verse one, it says that you know that he passed by saw a man blind from birth, and the question comes in. So they see him, and the disciples ask, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? All right, we're going to leave that verse up there. Um, this question, it's, it's super easy to beat the disciples up about stuff because they weren't always like, they weren't always the best, you know, the best examples for us. Um, and, and I tend to look at this and, and get really frustrated with them. But if, if we step back a little bit and we, and we look, at, look at the question, there's two of them. Uh, if you look back and uh, you look at the question, they really just, they want to know why. They want to know why this happened. And that question is not, that's not unique to first century like, people. We, we understand the same thing. You, you see something and, and you want to know, okay, why did, why did this happen? Um, you see something that is maybe just atypical. And you're like, why, why would this happen? Well, there are things that, that happen to us all the time. You, you hear stories about things happening. Um, tragedies. And you're like, why? Why did, why did this happen? Or you see people who, in theory, should not be blessed, okay, quote-unquote blessed, 
And, and yet they seem to have all these things just going for them. You're like, That's, he's a terrible person. Why is he, why is, is he so fortunate? And here are these people who are great people and this bad thing is happening to him. Uh, it's just human nature to want to know why. And the question itself, uh, we, it, it's very telling about, about the mindset that, that they kind of settled into. So at, at some point, after seeking an answer to the question why, the conclusion had, had landed, um, well, this is a cause and effect situation. Somebody caused, uh, this guy did something he shouldn't have done, or his parents, or somebody. Somebody did something to, to cause this effect from happening. So like a human cause and a divine effect, so to speak. Um, so somebody must have made God mad for this guy to be born uh, without sight. So the disciples trying to be, you know, theologians in training or trying to get real specific about the sin issue. Uh, was it the man or was it his parents or whatever? But we see that the mindset of the day was, okay, when, when something happens that is perceived to be bad or negative or difficult, um, somebody did something, and that's payback. That's some sort of consequence that's coming from God. God's trying to send them a message, don't do that again. So what we really have here is karma. That was the way that they were thinking, the way they were approaching things. Now that's significant for us today because we live in a, a culture, and there's probably a lot of folks in this room who, who have a very similar approach to stuff. Have you ever had a flat tire and traced it back to like, oh, I hadn't read my Bible in a couple of days? Probably not. Nobody here, I'm sure. Have you ever uh, bounced a check? And you're like, oh, well, I mean, I haven't brought my tithe into the storehouse in a while, Lord. So I get it. You know, I get the message. You cursed me. You got me. Point made. And there's... Silly things like that that really aren't, we know they're not true, but there's a part of us that kind of wonders, like, man, did, what did I do to cause this to happen? And then you have, you have more, little more extreme examples where uh, a family goes through some sort of a, of a tragedy, and that's a part of the process. It's like, why, why is God so mad at our family? You know, what do we do to deserve this? What... Why is God picking on us, you know? Or you have people who, who think when they look at their lives and they look at the things that they've been through and the decisions that they've made and the, the sins that they've committed and they say, well, no, no wonder God has abandoned me. I mean, I, I deserve it, you know? I've done all these terrible things. I've, whatever, of course. I mean, why would he want anything to do with me? We have that karma, that cause and effect kind of mindset about things. Little things really big things. And so what Jesus has to say in response to the question, uh, it has a lot to do with us, you know, and our own understanding of why, why things happen. But also has a lot to do with, with us as we interact with people out in the world, our, our coworkers, our neighbors, our family members, who go through stuff and they're asking why. And they're believing, well, God's mad at me for something. If God really loved me, he wouldn't have let this happen. And you trace that down, and there's this cause and effect at the root of it. 
And so what they're asking is of incredible significance for us today, both in how we think and how we minister. So if we are the disciples and we're following after our rabbi, and that's the question that comes up, we, we're all dead set on him. We need to know how he answers this question because this is, this is of incredible importance to us. And so Jesus, always having perfect answers, that's what he said, uh, verse 3. It was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. All right, we're going to stop right there. Look at it again. It's not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. Okay, so here's, here's what the answer, what Jesus' answer does. Um, it does what, what truth always does, which is it refutes any sort of error that's there. So it takes karma and it throws, out the, throws it out the window. It said, okay, this, has no, this is not a cause and effect situation. Okay, so you can just you can just 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 leave that leave that alone. As, as tempting as it is for us to try and rationalize something and think think through it and, and find a like a this is why this happened because we, we feel like we need to uh, yeah, thank you John good job John Ringo um, uh, we need we have this this weird need to know we need to know why we need to know why this needs to make sense. And so what Jesus does is he says, look, that's really cute that you think you need to make sense of everything, but, but it just doesn't, it doesn't work that way. There's no cause and effect here. And so if you're in a conversation with somebody and, and, and they're processing through some sort of difficult situation and they're like, I just don't understand why this, why this would happen to such a good person. I'm not saying that your next answer is, well, you just need to quit being so karma-like in your thinking and whatever. You don't need to like rebuke them, but you need to know that, okay, I don't need to validate that kind of thinking. I need to walk them through this in a way that is filled with truth and not full of lies, which is what karma is. But also, for, for you and, and for I, as we are dealing with stuff in and of ourselves, when, when something difficult comes our way... We can't retrace our steps and be like, when did I make God mad? That's not how it works. And you can go to this verse, and it shows that. So that error gets refuted, which should make us feel better. <laughs> but the truth that he tells us is actually harder, uh, harder than we want it to be. This is a difficult verse. And at first you read it and you're like, yeah, man, that's great. This happens so that the works of God might be displayed in his life. And then you step away just a little bit and you're like, okay, wait. So that means that uh, he threw out human cause and divine effect, takes that, removes it, and replaces it with divine cause. He's saying, Look, that's exactly what the verse says. God made this guy blind on purpose. Think about that for a second. Think about the, the difficulty that that brings our way. God made this guy blind. Divine cause, not human cause. 
is a hard truth for us. It's a difficult thing for us to embrace fully. One side of the coin is God is the cause. The other side of the coin is that God is not random. You can't, you can't leave out that second side of the coin. Yeah, God caused this to happen, but God's not randomly causing stuff to happen. There's intentionality there. There's purpose there. I mean, look exactly what he says. But that the works of God might be displayed in him. It means God had a reason for causing this to happen, for allowing this to happen. So, so let's, let's, let's be disciples for a second. We hear that. And at first you're like, man, that's a great answer. And then you're like, wait a second. That's a diff- that's, you sure about that? We can respond one, one of two ways. We can respond and say, well, that's not fair. It's not fair that God would make this guy blind. It's not fair that God would allow somebody to get cancer. God would, would, uh, I'm I'm just going to stop giving examples. It's not fair. That's our response. What about the the guy? What about his feelings? What about his his upbringing? What about the, the pain that his parents went through? What about... Um, what about the rejection? What about the fact that he's, he's laying there and he's, he's having to beg for money? What about this and what about this and what about this? It's just not fair. Said, said the pot to the potter, right? I mean, who, who are we to bark back at the Creator and shake our fists at Him and say, this is not fair? So we could, you can react that way, and a lot of people do. And you might be in this room right now reacting the same exact way. Want me to shut up? That's fine. There's, there's another reaction. There's another way that we can look at this. If this verse is, is, is saying God caused it, but God is not random. So you can get frustrated, or you can say, okay, so this difficult thing... God, God can use that, right? This senseless experience, that make, it just makes no sense when I'm trying to rationalize it. God can redeem that. He can, he can use that. He can build on that. God doesn't waste that. You can say, okay, I'm, I can get on board with that. It's painful. It's unfortunate. It makes no sense. All this kind of stuff. But God is good. I was at a funeral one time. The guy preached it and he said, look, he said, this, it was, it was a, a rough situation. He said, look, this is never going to be good. You're never going to look at this, this tragedy and say, man, that was really good. But God, God will always be good. That God's good in the midst of this lack of goodness right now. And so we, so we, we have a, kind of a choice as disciples. Let's say that we're within earshot right, right there of him. We hear him say that. 
we can, we can get mad and pitch a fit and just bail and be like, I'm not following him anymore. And what that reveals is that, well, you're not willing to deny yourself or take up your cross daily. So that's probably a pro- an appropriate response. Or we can be disciples who said, no, no, no like I want, I want nothing to do with, with my own plans, my own attachments, my own agenda. My life is not my own. My life is completely yours. So if you want me to have cancer, you bring it on. If you want me in a situation like this guy, you're the potter, I'm the clay. Let's do it. And that's what, that's what Jesus is, is communicating in this. He's like, God will use anything. So you take your life, you take those things in your life that you're ashamed of, it's the painful things you've been through, the senseless stuff, whatever it is, and you, you literally let Jesus speak into, into that, this truth. Why did this happen? That the works of God might be displayed in your life. That He would save you, bring you from death to life, heal you, and display His goodness through your healing and redemption and restoration and all that goodness. That He would take this painful thing and, and you would walk through it and, the, and every person you know is like, it just makes no sense of how he or she is handling this thing. It just—it makes no sense how you get through it. I don't understand. I don't understand. And God, the whole time God is just saying like, yep, it's just my goodness on display. The kingdom of God is a weird thing. It weirds people out. You follow the rest of this guy's story. He goes back to, starts telling everybody in his town, like, you know, all this stuff that happened. They're like, uh, isn't this the guy that's been blind his whole life? And he goes on, starts telling people, and basically Jesus gets super famous through this encounter. That this guy was born blind so that he could be healed so that he could go on and make Jesus famous in his hometown. No different than your story. None. No different. So, God's the cause, but God's not random. And so, as as his disciples, we embrace that. And we drive our roots down deep in that. And that becomes, like, I mean, that's like truth we are anchored to. And when you don't know, we don't really understand something, well, you don't have to. Because you're just a lump of clay. And when, when our, uh, our self-reliance and our flesh, like, rises up and we say, it's not fair, it's not fair, it's not fair. Think about this. You and I, as, as believers, we'll have an, an eternity to be healed and healthy, and completely happy, and completely content, and we'll have just in, in eternity, well, that will be our existence. And we have this vapor of a life that's going to involve some pain, and some difficulty, and some struggle. And every bit of that little vapor is for the glory of God, and this big, huge eternity is going to be just so phenomenal, and just, just crazy, like blow our minds, amazing. So why don't we just quit whining so much? And let's, let's let God make this verse reality for us and say, okay, I'm, I'm tired of, of being a victim or pouting. I'm tired of being Eeyore about this situation that I've been through. Do something awesome with it. Do something awesome with it. And if that means you need to go to counseling, go to counseling. If that means you need to get people praying with you, then get people praying with you. 
If that means that you, this is what you want to do, but you don't know where to start, then like talk to some folks about it. Say, okay, I don't really know what, what to do next, but I need y'all to help me figure it out. And that's what this community thing, that's what it's about. It's what we're doing. So, what Jesus says, kind of along the uh, same lines. Look at the next, the next verse. Verse 4. It says, We must work the works of Him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. He's talking about his life. He's telling these disciples, like, look, we, daylight's burning. We've got to get to it. Okay? won't be too long before I'm, I'm going to take off, and we'll get to that stuff later. But just trust me, like, there's work to be done. Let's get it done. That's... That kind of has to be where, where we are, you know. Here God brings us from Parkview Baptist over to the BCM and then over to here in six years' time. Well, i got to believe that there are uh, people in this neighborhood that need what, what we bring to the table, what Grace Baptist brings to the table, what Ingleside Methodist brings to the table, what all these churches around here. There, there are people who need this because daylight is burning you know because the vapor of life is just not, not going to like stick around forever so we need to get to it the lives that you are connected to at work in your families in your neighborhoods like they need they need this And so when it comes to living a missional life, we have to understand what, kind of what Jesus is, is telling them here. See, the disciples, they looked at this guy and they saw an opportunity for a theological debate that would make them look good in the eyes of the rabbi. And they completely lost sight of the fact that this is a human being created in the image of God in need of redemption. They totally missed it. Several years ago, I was studying through this, and we talked about it on a Sunday night. Before, I think it was before we became a church plant. And I was like, man, they, they just saw this guy as an issue. They didn't see him as a person. He was a statistic. And if, if we want to live missionally like we talk about all the time, we can't see people for their struggles. And their scars and their wounds and whatever. We, we cannot see people as statistics or labels. You've got to see them as image bearers of God. This, the disciples were not there yet. They would get there because God always finishes what he starts. And Jesus was bringing them there. They weren't there yet. And some of us aren't there yet. But we we got to grow up. we got to grow up relationally with the world around us. Sometimes we're so busy trying to stand up for this issue or that issue or whatever that we forget that a lot of these issues, are, they involve people, you know? If we want to crusade against something, we need to just be careful that we're not uh, just bulldozing over the humans involved at the same time. We can't just see issues. We can't just see debates and arguments and whatever. 
We've got to see people. And the more that starts to happen, you know what, you know what stops happening? We stop, uh, we stop making fun of each other. We stop making fun of people. Like you go, go serve breakfast on the levee a couple times. And then watch TV where they like make fun of homelessness. Stops being funny. He's like, wait a second. I, I used to would have laughed at that, but now it kind of makes me mad. You start sitting down with enough, with enough people whose lives have been wrecked by alcohol, and beer commercials stop being funny. They do. Alcohol changes when you start to, to realize that, like, oh, wait a minute, there are people behind this issue that need to be cared for, you know? When we went to the Passion Conference this year with our cause ministry, one of the big, like the big emphasis was on human trafficking. And they did a really good job. Uh, they, they showed a film in installments. And so you have this big, you know, there's uh, how many slaves in the world right now? 27 million? Is that what the song is? 27 million people enslaved right now. You're like, wow, 27 million? Like that's, it's so big. And you're like, human trafficking, what is that? Isn't that just in the movies or whatever? And then they, so they, they walk us through the story of like four or five specific people. So by the end of it, you're like, okay, wait a minute. So human trafficking, it, it all of a sudden got super, super small of an issue because I have faces to put with the issue. The kids in India that we're like involved in with Hope of Life, those, are, those kids are trafficked. So the next time you see a sign that's like in human trafficking, think about those kids in the LSU hats. They were there, that's human trafficking. That's enslavement. So then it's just, it's, it's not really a joke anymore because now it's not an issue. Now it's about people. And so what happens is the more we understand this, there's, we stop joking and be like, oh, you know, you're so gay, you're so this, or you're so this, or whatever, blah, 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 blah. And it's like, no, 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 no. We're not going to do that. There are people behind all those, those issues. I had someone uh, stand up on Twitter and say, look, no more jokes about this issue, this issue, this issue, this issue. If you want, to want, you want to know why, come talk to me. You know why? Because there are people behind those issues. So, if, if we're looking for an imitation point to imitate Jesus, our rabbi, in this, he looked at this guy and said, this is a person Made, made in my image that I have come here to die for. That's who we imitate. Would you not imitate the disciples who just saw him and put a label on him and used him as a, to, to debate something? So that's the imitation point for us. Now, how do you, how do you get there? You know, like, there's no, uh, this is not a good sermon, but there's no, like, sermon that's going to all of a sudden, like, flip a switch. You don't have to laugh at that. That's not a joke. You know, like one sermon, I'm like, okay, well, I walked in there seeing issues and not people, and now I'm walking out seeing people, not issues. Done. Like, how does how does Jesus make make that happen? How do you imitate him and not the disciples when you when we leave here and we go somewhere or whatever? You know, go to work, you go to whatever. Here, here's what I think. I think that the the disciples in this moment failed to realize that 
same as the last two weeks. The, the blind man's story is their story. They lost sight of the fact that they had some issues as well. But they were people created in the image of God. And we know now on this side of everything that Jesus came and died for them as well. And the more they, like the way to overcome this whole thing is to really understand the gospel. We looked at the, the sinful woman anointing the feet of Jesus and we said, oh, that's, she, I'm her. And we looked at the woman who was caught in adultery and, and how she was going to be punished for that and Jesus. And we looked at that and we said, oh, I'm her. And we need to look at this story and see the man born blind who was healed by Jesus. And Jesus like spit on the ground and rubbed mud on his eyes and said, go wash it off and you're done. Like we need to look at him and say, that's, that's me. When we understand that, you understand that, you interact differently. Think of it like this. If, if someone in that group of disciples had been a man born blind and Jesus had restored his sight and he becomes a follower of Jesus and they come upon and some disciple says, Rabbi, who sinned this man or his parents that he was born blind? And, you, and you're the disciple says, no, 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 no. Heal him. Give him his sight like you did me. Do it again. And let everybody see it. And send him to his hometown and let him tell everybody. And the next time we get to a blind guy, I'm going to say the same thing. So y'all just, I'll be a broken record until every blind person that we come across has, is completely restored and seeing again. So we've got to understand. We've got to understand the cross and the gospel and the kingdom and who Jesus is and who we are in light of it. We have to understand all that stuff. So that's what we do on Sundays and community groups and so what we do is we dig into that and we say, well, will you, Lord, transform me into your image as we are renewed more and more in the knowledge of our Creator? So I don't know where it fits with your life. But I, I know for me, uh, I tend to see issues instead of people. And I know that for me, the starting point is I have to go back and have to recognize, wait a minute, I need to get back and, and remember what the gospel is. And recognize that I am the blind man. I am the sinful woman. I am the woman caught in adultery. I, I, that's my story. And then when you see somebody else, you, then you see them like, oh wait, we're the same. We're the same. So, let's pray. God, as we, uh, as we get ready to sing here in a second, we obviously uh, covered a lot of ground in the last 40, 40 minutes. I pray that you'll help us just to, just to kind of hang out just in, in one, one area of, of thought and process. Help us to come back to the other things you stirred in us through the songs and scriptures and people and all that tonight. But, but for these next few moments, will you please, um, you please just help us to see 
that we're no different than the blind man. That we were born in darkness. We were born separate from you because of sin. And you are the one who laid down your life that we would no longer be enemies, but that we would be your children, that we would be adopted into your family and given new names and a new identity. Will you help us just to, just to hang out there for a minute in our minds and our hearts? And we know that that's going to make a difference when we, when we interact with people. It's for us to not lose sight of our story. We were blind and now we see only because you graciously intervened. Let's all stand together. We're going to sing a song that you probably don't know, and it's okay. Um, But the truth of the song needs to just kind of wash over us, I believe. And uh, we'll just kind of go from there. But um, I know that there are some here tonight who... um, who might be uncertain as to whether or not you were the blind man or you are the blind man. And uh, if you've never been to one of our gatherings before, we don't, we don't have a time for you to walk forward and all that kind of stuff. Uh, if you want answers to that, then you find answers to that. People all around this building, it's part of what we do as families, we take care of each other. So if you want to you talk to somebody, if you've got questions, then we're going to make you do the work. You find out you grab somebody, you come find me, whatever. Um, but we're going to sing this, this first song. Uh, and let's just, let, just, let's just let, it, let it be true for us tonight. And we'll do another one, maybe another one, or something like that. Uh, but let's, let's let these responses be, um, be surrounded by the idea that, that Jesus restores sight to the blind. That Jesus redeems everyone everything, um, that that's who he is for us tonight. Uh, Yeah, so let's sing this.